The T20 World Cup is coming to our shores in 2020 with the best of the best striving for the ultimate glory. Before that all kicks off, let's join Mel Jones as she chats to cricket royalty on road to the T20 World Cup. Road to the T20 World Cup this week has a guest you may not have heard before. But Stephanie Beltrami is one of the main reasons why women's cricket in Australia and effect globally has a profile it does today. In control of negotiating broadcast rights for Cricket Australia, she has become one of the key reasons behind why so many people are envious of where the game is at in Australia today. Very excited today on Road to the T20 World Cup to have a very good friend, but also one of the key drivers in where the women's game in Australia in particular is at at the moment in Steph Beltrami. And Steph, you're not looking at me. Why aren't you looking at me? Because you make me laugh and we haven't started talking yet. <laughs> this could be an amusing uh, next little phase of play. <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming in. And you've come in on a very special day. A special day to me. Yeah. So uh, 20 years ago today, 31st of January 2000, I walked into 90 Jollymont Street as it, as it, where we were located back then as the Australian Cricket Board. It was my first day of work. And what was your role on day one? It, it was um, it was an entry level position, which I'm not at all ashamed about because you have to start somewhere. And it was the admin assistant to the CEO's office, and uh, Malcolm Speed was the CEO at the time, and his assistant was Jane Walker. So I was the assistant to the assistant. <laughs> and was this straight out of university? Straight out of university. So first job was first at Cricket job. Australia, and you haven't left. I. Ha- that's the, in a nutshell, that's <laughs> yeah. correct. Um, <laughs> so if anyone wants to know about the history and the comings and going of Cricket Australia, you're the person to go to. It has been quite a journey over 20 years. So I have seen a lot of change and a, a lot of uh, interactions with different people in Melbourne, across Australia, around the world. So it's, it's been an absolute privilege, really, for me. I uh, wouldn't even really describe it as, as work. It's just been... A lot of fun, a lot of challenges, and uh, just very rewarding. And you like a challenge because you're probably one of the most competitive people I know. But let's go back a little bit before you get to walk into the doors at 90 Jollymont Street as it was 20 years ago. Before that time, Melbourne girl, sports lover? Love sport. What is it about sport? Sport is just, there is that competitive element, but there is so much more about sport. There's... There's friends, there's teamwork, there's fitness, there's social activity, there's there's a purpose. And um, I just love it. I love playing. I love watching. Um, I don't play very well, but um, I watch better than I play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you what I ask everybody. And the first question is your favourite sporting moment or memory. And you've I know you I know you're a big Collingwood Football Club fan and for those that aren't from Australia that's in the Australian Rules Football League and they're they're a team that sort of divides people you either love them or you hate them you love your tennis you've been involved in cricket for over 20 odd years now I'm really quite interested I think I, I think I might know where you're going to go but I'd, with, let's with hear my it. favorite moment yeah, let's hear it well surely it was when we that was my debut in my first class debut <laughs> sorry I hate to with tell you. you it wasn't yeah it wasn't a first class match because it was just a warm-up game I'm not a first-class cricket. You're not a first-class cricketer, no. That's it shattered my dream. <laughs> You're going to have to pick in, in something else. <laughs> uh, that was good fun, though. Mm. I, I, I did love that. Absolutely. Well, any time my magpies win, especially uh, your against your mob, Hawthorne, that's, that's always a memorable moment. I suppose I loved watching Steffi Graf 
And it's probably a shame that I was so young when she was at her peak, so I didn't quite appreciate how good she was. I loved the 99 French Open win over yeah. Martina Hingis. I thought that was just amazing. But I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate to attend a lot of events, but also just watch so many on TV. Um, probably the most unique sporting event I attended was the Palio horse race in Siena, yes, Italy, yes. which is, I think, the oldest sporting event in the world. And when I say event, it's actually, it's it's madness. It's it's pure Italian <laughs> madness. And there are no rules. And you can say that because you do have an Italian That's right. Okay. <laughs> oh, permission to speak freely. Yeah. Um, the most amazing event and completely uncommercialised, um, 50,000 people in, in a small town square. Um, and the rivalry and the competitiveness and the passion, it, it's another level if we think that um, we're sports mad in Australia with yeah. our leagues or our rivalry. Um, this is just beyond what you can imagine. It is. It is. Uh, I think they describe it as fate meets destiny or, or something like that. And um, you know they take their horses into the church. It's a it's a week of preparation and um, just unique. Yeah, I would um, encourage anybody if you ever got the chance to go there to to witness it. Bucket phenomenal. list stuff. It is not not very well known, but yeah. even in Italy, I well, it is so now. Known. Well. This will go viral. This will. <laughs> I was trying to, interestingly, interestingly enough, in the lead up to, to each week, people sort of, you know, you bump into them and they're like, oh, who you got on this week for, for the show? And, you know, you could say, we've had a number of the players on, so we've had Belinda Clark, who you work with now at, at Cricket Australia, and yes. Amy Satterthwaite to, to kickstart things. And we had um, Jamima Rodriguez from India when I was over in Mumbai recently. So we've had all these players on. And I've mentioned over the last week or so, I said, oh, I'm really keen to get Steph Beltrami on. And it's interesting that the reaction from people, because I think most people think trying to dredge through their memory going, who did she play for? And so they're automatically a thinking player. And then, so when I describe your role at Cricket Australia as um, EGM of broadcast and commercial and the, the role that you've played, I think that the two, um, I tried to think of characters in TV to try and match you up with. And you're shaking your head already. Don't shake. Just hear me out here. <laughs> And I know the first one you're going to probably not be too happy with, but the first one is Claire Underwood from House of Cards. How does that sit with oh. you? Not the bad elements. Like she's oh, the good elements the good. only. <laughs> thank, thank goodness. Um, does it, does it, any any of Claire Underwood resonate with you? Uh, no, she's immaculately dressed. There we go. Um, <laughs> A win-at-all-cost mentality from Claire. And that's not she, your no, I, mode of operandi? I think she actually killed people. Okay, look, there's a, <laughs> like I said, look, there's a couple of elements that we're not going <laughs> to, we won't touch. But oh, there's, there's no. this, um, no. there's this, she's exceptionally well prepared, I think, in the show. She knows she's planned ahead. She's got a vision for where she wants things to go. Um, yes, take away the ruthlessness of it all, <laughs> but <laughs> highly ruthless. Um, I and hope I'm not live. No, you're no. definitely not. But then for a lot of the first couple of, um, episodes was, she was sort of in the background a little bit, but she was getting, she was getting the job done. Yeah. Well, that, that's you probably, happy with that? I'm, ha I'm happier with, okay. <laughs> with that than, than a murderer. Um, yeah, look, I think you mentioned all those, those players earlier. I mean, I, that's, that's not my role to be high profile and I don't. I don't need, um, you know, to be to be well known. I much prefer just to to focus on, yeah, as you say, getting the job done. 
and laying out a vision and, and you know, working with people um, and working as part of a team to actually achieve what, what we have over a long period of time. And that's been a lot of people that I've worked with. Um, so I much prefer the, the background. Um, um, yeah, maybe, maybe my, um, maybe my uh, approach isn't as ruthless as Claire, but I, I, I like to think that, um, I would approach it with, with a lot of integrity just to, to do the right thing, but obviously to keep, especially in this women's space, to keep advocating and pressing for what we've always believed is the right thing to do for women's sport or women's cricket in particular. Um, so I've always you know, tried to advocate for getting the right outcomes. Okay, side note, you have not murdered anyone, just in case anyone is thinking. I definitely. Not that I know of, anyways. <laughs> the, the, other, the other character. I'd probably I'd like to have killed you sometimes. <laughs> By the end of this year, you may well have. Just do that. Um, the other character I was thinking of, and I'm trying to get characters that you know are fairly well known and people can probably resonate with a little bit, is do you watch Game of Thrones? I'm sorry, I haven't watched. Oh Game well, of okay, Thrones. I can just say whatever about this person. I can't defend is, <laughs> is Sansa Stark, and so you're going to have to go back and watch it now and, and Google her a little bit. Um, but what I like about Sansa Stark is that she started off within this. Very big family, um, very young, almost like you walking into Cricket Australia, very green, very raw. And then as the series goes on, she becomes one of the, the strong leaders within the family and within the the fight against evil. Not that we're fighting against evil at Cricket Australia, but um, and you sort of see the, the journey over, over the time of the series and, and almost like you over 20 years, she's developed into this very strong, very... Um, a, a leader within not just the organisation, but I think, uh, I suppose, an inspiration for a lot of people coming through to show that there is a space and a pathway, not just for women in administration and media and the like, um, but there's a, you can do it in a way that's befitting your own personality. How does that sit? Thanks, Mel. That's yeah, um, thank you. I, I thought for a moment you'd compare me to Sally Fletcher from Home and Away. <laughs> she was there for 20 years. <laughs> I didn't start with an imaginary friend called Milko. So, um, Look, we won't, go, we won't yeah, delve that deep. Thank you for that, that. That was a nice summary. Thank you. There we go. Okay, so we've got a mix of Claire Underwood and Sansa Stark. So hopefully most people are sort of getting a sense for who Steph Beltrami is. Okay, 2013. Um, James Sutherland was the, the CEO of Cricket Australia. So Malcolm Speed had left. You've um, worked underneath two you know, very high-profile um, CEOs at Cricket Australia. He puts you... And gives you and trusts you with the the next broadcast deal. Um, when that was all sort of coming about, what was your underwhelming feeling at the time? Was it, yeah, I'm ready for this. Um, gee, this is going to be big. You know, if I stuff this up, you know, what, what's the impact? What, what were you thinking? Yeah, I probably didn't um, appreciate the the enormity of it at the time. Um, and it was probably about five years earlier when James. Um, moved me into another role the five years earlier, which was looking after the media rights partnerships. And so I, um, we weren't specifically working on renewals at the time. We, we did have some overseas agreements that we were renewing because we do a lot of international um, rights selling as well. Um, but we, we spent quite a while preparing for, um, at the time, it would have been around 2013. So these these renewals do take a lot of preparation and a lot of thought and strategy and, and time commitment to, to prepare fully. So, yeah, I guess we, we hadn't, um, I hadn't grasped the enormity of it, but James had always been very good to, to provide me with opportunities, which has been 
reflective of my entire time in cricket. I've been very fortunate um, with, with my um, with my managers and my bosses to to continue to give me afford me the opportunities. So, you know, I just I just took it in my stride, I guess, and and worked with with the team that we had, and we put we uh, we assembled some some external assistance as well, and we prepared. And um, I think at the time we we uh, it was quite a complicated agreement that particular one um and that's when when channel 10 came on board for the first time with with the big bash and channel nine um maintained rights to international cricket so we had everything was um on free to wear and we had two excellent tv partners who who did a fantastic job and um channel nine did that for for 40 years with cricket so um exceptional partners that broadcast deal so it was correct me if i'm wrong here 450 million for channel nine to do all international television basically and then 100 million uh for channel 10 to to oversee the big bash um did that exceed expectations it was interesting at the time because 2020 cricket already existed um and the big bash at that time um it was really like a startup because it'll be 10 years next year for the big bash so in many respects um channel 10 at at the time i think the description through through media commentary was that they had overpaid for for this product, um, and I think by the end of it, after they had really um, worked incredibly hard with us um, to build the product, I think the description was that you know that they uh, they, they had a bargain. So yeah. <laughs> I guess you know that doesn't really matter which way. I think that the important thing was that um, you know that we we had some partners who really. And have always cared, you know, and, and likewise our existing partners now. People, they care about cricket and they they want to treat it properly and they want to make sure that the fans have um, the best access and the best coverage. So, yeah, look, I think at the time it probably was considered very, a very good deal and um, yeah, for, and hopefully for everybody. That's, that's, that's actually the mark of a good deal is when everybody is able to um, yeah, feel like it's, it's, it's worked for them and it's successful. When we talk broadcast deals, I think automatically everyone just sort of gravitates to television too because mm-hmm. it's it's the biggest numbers being pushed out there. At that time, particularly for, let's try and get a little bit more focused around sort of the development of the women's game as well. Was there much thought in and around radio and digital at that time and, and how that would play out particularly for the women's game? So, we, again, we've got exceptional radio partners and, and ABC has been uh, one of the longest partners of cricket. I think we're nearly... 80 or 90 years so it's, it's yeah, a very very it's long time and uh, they've they've always had a, a fantastic commitment to to the women's game um yeah we just like well, to say that we are sitting in sen studios at the moment and, and we love them absolutely. greatly <laughs> absolutely croc media as well um and let's not forget macquarie media also we'll get everybody in yeah, um, i think love. at the time in 2013 that digital hadn't quite taken off so we we believe we were quite innovative at, at that stage and we formed a, a partnership with with channel nine to actually um you know our, our view was they are already at the game recording um and we established a, a joint venture in digital um, we wanted to make sure that through the broadcast we were driving um we were driving engagement through to the digital properties it was still considered very much a, a companion to linear television at the time and I think now it's it's a it's advanced to the point where it, it's not a companion it's 
it is a legitimate form. We're talking digital, so it's you know, just kind of think smaller screen. Um, On-the-go mobility is mm-hmm. now basically, um, you know, that's just a given. It's it's not um, it's not a companion or a complementary. It's it's a legitimate form of way that people can engage. So whether you're watching long form, short form, um, social, uh, it's definitely a, a more interactive experience than the traditional yeah. linear, but both. Uh, are very, very important and equally uh, audio. So we're lucky that we have the game covered in so many different media channels to give fans choice. No matter where you are, you can engage with cricket in whatever fashion is available at the time to you. And fans of cricket got more choice five years ago with the inclusion of the WBBL. This was... I, I know, because I know you so well, and you were our media manager for Aussie Tours way back in the day. Um, you probably know us better than we know ourselves in a, in a lot of the ways. And we know that you've been banging on doors and I think sometimes feeling as if you're probably banging your head against brick walls sometimes trying to get people to to listen and understand what women's cricket could have brought to the game years and years and years ago. Was there a... How frustrated did you get at times when people weren't listening? Yes, it's true. I did. I would have been frustrated. Um, but if you just let the frustration get the better of you, you won't ever achieve what you need to achieve. And so for me, it was just continuing to press the case, continuing to find ways. How can we get this done? What are the, what are the barriers? Why, why is there a resistance? Um, how can we, yeah, how can we solve for this and how can we create ways that we can um, start small, um, but build up to something. And, and we did start small. We, uh, I mean, w- women's cricket was on TV many, many years ago as well. Um, I guess w- what we see today is a very consistent um, presentation, consistent coverage from broadcast partners so that, you know, when you turn it on, there's no difference between watching men's or women's cricket. Um, maybe some small, small differences, but I think to the, to the punters out there, you know, the they're not they're not noticeable. Um, so, for example, DRS isn't in um, WBBL. It's not in yep. BBL either. But there are some small differences. Mm-hmm. Um, n- nonetheless, it was important to sort of start small. So, um, we had a one-hour highlights package to start with um, of the international matches. Uh, we played double headers, and I think that's that was the yep. reason we played double headers was because w- it was simply more affordable. Uh, a way of doing that because the broadcast was already set up for the men's game. Yep. That wasn't necessarily ideal. Um, there were there were certainly cons in, in taking that approach. But I think overall, where we stand today with a standalone WBBL, I mean, that's sort of proven, that's that's taken 15 years to, to get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, we still have a lot of work to do to prove the, the concept. And I guess that's that's always been the approach. I could be frustrated and I could be angry and I could be, and at times, yes, I was, but I certainly had to understand why is there the resistance? How can we you know, find a different way to make it work? I reckon that's, that's a really good lesson for, for anyone in, in anything that they're doing is, is finding, finding the why. Because if mm. you just keep going with the same approach all the time and keep getting knocked back, you, obviously you're not going to get anywhere, are you? No, we got back. Knockback quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but what yes, what the were the why? reasons for the for the knockbacks? Um, I, I guess certainly reasons that you can you can appreciate cost mm-hmm. cost cost to produce. 
cricket or, and uh, I'm applying this to cricket, but certainly it can apply to most sports, um, cost. Because um, to produce a cricket game is exceptionally <laughs> expensive, <laughs> more so than other sports because of the shape of the field and the amount of cameras. That's right. There's a, there's a 360, whereas a lot of other sports, um, probably more so, you know, when you're watching TV, it's left to right kind yep. of movement. This is this is full. Um, we play so full ground. We play all around the country. So, you know, cricket. That's the the, the benefits of cricket, the advantages, but also this it, it can be costly to do that. Um, you know, I guess in the early days, there's there was it, it, there was a huge focus, and there still is on on ratings. So making sure that we have to have the highest rating products and that was very, very important and lead-ins to news and what have you on free-to-air. So I think th- th- there were certainly reasons to understand and it, it took it took the courage, I guess, of networks. So they, they, they need to, on the one hand, we can sort of be frustrated and say, well, they didn't move quick enough, but equally yeah. um, they did take steps along the way um, and Fox Sports has also been covering women's cricket for a long, long, long time, women's sport more broadly, but they were covering women's cricket too. And, um, you know, there's, there's now there's no such thing as, oh, we don't have capacity, you know, we've only got one channel. That's, yeah. yeah. The beauty now is there that that is no longer an excuse or a reason. There are multiple ways that can be viewed. And as you mentioned, you know, online or digital is is a great platform now for emerging sports and um, certainly we continue to use it heavily because it's just that two-way interaction with, with your fans. It's the most intimate interaction you can have. The WBBL started, correct me if I'm wrong, in the middle of the a broadcast deal, wasn't it? So it was a commitment, was it from Channel 10 to say, we're ready? Yeah, I think I think the women's T20 final was always on Fox yep. Sports. So yep. prior to um, in fact, that was prior to BBL yeah. and WBBL. Yep. Um, WBBL is five years old. Yep. BBL is coming up to its nine years this year. So the T20 format existed um, and Fox were, were covering the final for us. Uh, then we moved, as you, as you mentioned, into W uh, sorry into the 2013 uh, new media rights agreement. Um, and we, we, we were able to, because Channel 10 had the big bash at the time, we were able to work with them. Um, and Dave Barham at the time was terrific in, in very supportive in saying, okay, well, agree, we need to take some small steps. So let's do, you know, a couple of games. And that just built and built and built and built. And we were able to demonstrate, I mean, we, I mean, the players mm-hmm. um, showed what a, an amazing um, product, contest, performance, athletic, all of that. And that that's not to say that never existed because it did. Um, we just had a vehicle where we could try and provide the uh, the visibility and the exposure. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, so Lisa Stalaker and I, for the first year of the f- sort of an extended coverage of WBBL for WBBL 01, had a meeting, broadcast meeting, and we sat down in at uh, the studios here at South Yarra in Melbourne with everyone else from the Big Bash team. So a- Adam Gilchrist was there and how Mark Howard and Dave Barham was leading it all. And Lisa and I sort of walked in and we thought, Okay, you know, it's we, we love it. We, we know it. We think it's a great product. Um, but it's just a small section of the biggest, bigger sort of big bash piece. And we were sort of expecting this production day, which went all day. And then we thought, oh, well, at the end of the day, there'll be a little bit of a chat about the WBBL and everyone will be happy about what they're doing. And Dave Barham walked in and 30 minutes 
45 minutes, an hour later, Lisa and I are still looking at each other going, he's still talking about WBBL. <laughs> and for me, and we can chat to Lisa Slake about it too, it was, it was a sort of a, a groundbreaking moment because it actually, you sat there going, it's not us banging against the door about it. These are people coming to us going, we want to make this the best product ever. And you mentioned ratings before. I think, you know, having chatted to Dave Barham, he said that they were sort of hoping for an average viewership of about 20,000 people per game, which equated roughly to our A-League here. So for people overseas, it's sort of like our top-level football. By the end of the season, it averaged out at about 240,000 per game, which must have just blown people's minds. Mm. Never in doubt. Well, never in doubt. Yeah, it's phenomenal. See, that's the Claire Underwood in you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think if you look now, women's cricket and probably WBBL – um, as a league, is you know, it, it's the fourth rating, highest rating sort of tournament um, behind you know, the Big Bash, um, AFL, NRL, and you've got a women's sport in at number four. I think that's just a huge accolade for the game. See, I'm sitting here shaking my head, isn't it? And I, I work in it and I've been involved in it. Yeah. And, so you, and I'm still su- surprised. I don't know if surprise is the right word, but... I think I'm just proud <laughs> that it's got to that yeah, point. We should be proud. And, yeah. and as you mentioned, um, key people who, who who cared about it because you know, that's that's within Cricket Australia, within our broadcast partners, every every network, uh, and I'm just talking TV here mm. as the focus, but you know, between our current partners, Seven Now, between Fox Sports, between Nine and between Ten, whoever held the rights at the time has always cared about it and tried to do the best with the product because that's important. It must be presented in the best possible way to show um, that it is a legitimate sport. It can't, if it's presented in anything less than that, then it's perceived as being less and it's not. And, um, you know, that's why it's been great working in partnership with our broadcast partners to present it in uh, first class fashion, which is what it deserves. I know you're a massive lover and watcher of sport. When you sit down and watch it at home... Um, when, when you're watching it, and we, we mentioned before that when it gets on television, it's it's just cricket these days, whether it's men's or women's, but it's broadcast in a in a way, and hopefully that it's it's the game of cricket, and it happens to be the Renegades women playing Sixers women, or vice versa for the men. Is there something though within the women's game that is intrinsically different to the men's game that we can broadcast in a different way that actually gives it? Um, sets it aside a little bit or do you want to try and keep it as matched up as possible? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I think, I don't know that we need to play it in any different way. It's, it's holding its own. Um, I know there are small intricacies and whilst I love sport, I'm not necessarily um, an expert on any particular (laughs) one. Um, But obviously we play with lighter, um, smaller balls Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've brought the boundary ropes in a little bit so that we are encouraging, um, higher scoring fours and sixes. Um, but I think it's, it's the game. I don't, I don't think personally that we need to alter the game. I think that the female players have always, and this harks back to, to the earlier days when, when I was, um, working in the, in the media space of trying to secure coverage, um, in any fashion you know, I think the, the players have always been brilliant. Like the, the team, the team that you played in, the names, yourself, 
Julia Price, Lisa Kitely, Belinda Clark, Karen Rolton, Catherine Fitzpatrick, Lisa Stalaker, Julie Hayes. I mean, that team was remarkable. And they're playing in exactly the same game that the current squad is. Um, and it's it's entertaining. You've always got to have an appreciation for the skill, uh, the athleticism, the talent that's that's always existed. Um, perhaps you, d- you guys just didn't have the, the exposure at the time, but I would hazard a guess if you had the resources and, um, you know, you weren't holding down a job while you were then trying to rush to training before work, after work, uh, you know, that, that perhaps, you know, we, we would have been able to recognise your feats and achievements um, in the same way that we can pay tribute to the current crop. It just allows us to embellish on our own yeah. moments, though, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Which we do quite a bit. Um, if you had advice for, I, I know, and I'm exceptionally fortunate in the work that I do to, to travel around the world and be involved in a variety of different broadcasts on men's and women's cricket, domestic and international. And in speaking to people, particularly within the women's game, they say they're so, so envious of what Australia has at the moment. And I know we're certainly not going to rest on our laurels to say, well, we've got there because we certainly haven't. Mm. We're still pushing forward. But if you had advice for other nations about the way in which they can really start to ramp up the profile and the broadcast of the women's games, what, what would be a couple of the suggestions that you'd, you'd pass on? I think at the time we, when we were sort of building out what can we achieve, we, we probably looked to England. I think they were quite advanced at the time with their broadcast partner Sky. I think they were, they might have even been doing the double headers, which is probably where we got the idea. Well, um, they started, because that was my first ever commentary gig. Was yeah, you England, were so That was 2001. Yeah. And I think yeah. part of the broadcast deal between the ECB and Sky was that Sky had to deliver at least minimum of one international game, women's game a year. Yes. As part of the deal. Yeah. So that, that was pretty progressive to think back. That's, you know, 19 years ago. Uh, so we took a lot of learnings from from them and we've maybe in a sense people will look at us and say we've maybe overtaken in terms of what we've been able to yep. to deliver. Yeah. Um, I think that, that there's a number of factors that kind of go into to getting a holistic strategy and that's obviously you've got to have the support um, of the entire sporting federation. So it's got to be recognised that it's a, that it's a priority that. There, there needs to be some investment to, um, you know, whether it's in building the, the pathways because at the end of the day we do, we're showcasing a product. If the product isn't the best it can be, then, you know, the, the fans can see that. There is so much yeah. choice out there. Yeah. Fans will always want to gravitate. I mean, obviously there's a huge you know, um, a- amateur appreciation too for, for sport. You know, people go and watch their clubs. So they know that's not the highest level. But when you turn on and you want to see Australia, uh, or England, New Zealand, West Indies, you're watching the best. So that you've always got to have um, the talent pool and th- a skilled group of players. Um, and that takes investment and that can take time to build. So a lot of this is long-term. You know, from a exposure perspective, that's what we always try to do. You've got to be visible. If it's not visible, then obviously um, people can't see, can't relate, can't appreciate. So... Not everybody, not every sport is going to have, uh, you know, the the ability to negotiate large media rights deals, which might compel or um, include the coverage of women's sport. But you know, it's never it's never a deterrent. There are other ways, and you've got to if you have to start from the beginning, you've got to start from the yeah. beginning. 
um, but it may require some investment. Um, so, you know, looking to have live streaming of games, even if it's not, you know, 40 cameras, you can start with one, you can start yeah, with yeah. two, you've got to start somewhere and, and just build up and be prepared over a long period of time to get the results. Um, so you've got to have the prioritisation of the Federation, you've got to have uh, some investment, you've got to have a, a partner and if, if you haven't got a partner, you need a platform. Um, but obviously now we're, we're blessed that there are ways, whether it's some of the big tech companies that are offering you the, the platform, the vehicle, uh, you, you've still got to create the, the product. So I, I would just examine each one is different, but you've got to build a few pieces together and get those working so that over the long period of time, you will, you will achieve the results. We're going to take a quick break on Road to the T20 World Cup. I'm going to uh, Google Sansa Stark so that Steph Beltrami is up to speed with who I think she reminds me of. We'll be back very shortly. On SEN, this is Road to the T20 World Cup with Mel Jones. Steph, 2009, Australia hosted the 50-over World Cup in Sydney. Fast forward now. 11 years later, hosting another home World Cup. I feel as if, and I'm not a massive fan of the word legacy, (laughs) because I think it's overused a little bit, but from 2009, and admittedly Australia didn't make the final, so it's difficult to sort of launch off that, but there probably wasn't a a long-lasting legacy to that tournament. How much, how important is that for Cricket Australia, and how much does the broadcast of it, both internationally but here in Australia, count to really push the sport forward even more? It's a massive opportunity. So we've talked about, you know, how can we fill the MCG, break a world record attendance on International Women's Day? Um, how can we... I think, I think firstly, we, we'd love Australia to be in the final. I think that will make a huge difference, um, both to attendance and viewership around the world. Um, I'm, I'm hazarding a guess that if... India was in the final too. We might just set some some records around the world. Um, I, I mean, time zone has to be taken into account. Yeah, as well. 2017 World Cup at Lords sold out at Lords. I think it was might be a little bit of uh, GST or mayonnaise on the on the numbers, but it was around 186 million. They said were watching in India alone. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Um, so first step, if you haven't bought your ticket to the Women's World Cup, make sure that you do. Don't miss out. We want to fill the MCG, but there's also matches all around the country. Uh, Doubleheader semi-finals in Sydney, which would be Huge, fantastic yeah. too. So make sure you do that. Uh, it absolutely provides the platform. And then it's about what do we do with that platform? Um, I, I'm not sure how we capitalised on 2009 specifically, but I think it continued the momentum uh, of where we are today. I mean, it was 11 years ago, so there was still a lot of work that we needed to do. We hadn't yet, um, you know, equalised from a pay perspective. Yeah. We've now got new parental leave policy for our female players. So there was still a lot of work to be done um, 11 years on, so we can reflect back. Um, but I think we've got the opportunity here now to then build on it. So how do we capitalise? What do we need to do to continue that momentum, to strike, um, to We've got the vehicle where we're going to showcase the best in the world, uh, and I think you know, whether it's it's we, we we have to drive stronger participation. We need to ensure that we are maximising coverage of all of our games 
moving forward. We've got to make sure that, um, you know, if we do receive, you know, that funnel of getting kids in playing cricket, that there's a, an appropriate structure all the way through so that our clubs are supported, our volunteers are supported. All these elements need to keep going into the ecosystem so that it is sustainable. Um, and that, you know, so I don't expect that there'll be an instant kind of aha moment, oh, this has happened because of the Women's World Cup final yeah. or the Women's World Cup tournament, but we need to make sure that we don't take the foot off the pedal and that we are continuing to invest and promote and prioritise the game uh, for all females. And that's not just from a playing or, you know, perspective. It's it's about how do they how do they consume it. There could be people that attend this event for the very first time they've ever been to a cricket game, but they're coming because it's an event because we've got yeah. uh, Katy Perry's playing at the final. And, and that's all you need. You just need people to have a taste. So we might actually find that we can attract new people to our sport. Yeah. Both playing, but also people that will say, oh, that was great to watch. I'll watch another game. So I think that there are those things that we need to make sure we, we're continuing to foster, embrace and prioritise as best we can. And I suppose it, it probably helps too. The ICC, as the governing body of the World Cups, they're driving a fair chunk of it. But then Cricket Australia can, because they know that that's in the ICC's hands, they can then prioritise a little bit more in and around specifically the Australian women's cricket team. And you could do things like, which I just got a little bit of goosebumps thinking about it again, because we grew up with Come On Aussie, Come On, as sort of like a very iconic theme song song of Australian summer. You know, Lily's pounding in like a machine was just, you know, everyone knew the words, they sang along. So for someone like the Commonwealth Bank then to get on and then rejig those lyrics with the faces uh, and action of Haynes and Mooney and and Perry and the like, um, that's something that we've never seen before. That's an exceptional campaign from from ComBank. Um, if you haven't seen it, it, it's available online. Come on to Cricket Network and you'll and you'll see it. Commonwealth Bank has been a, a fantastic supporter of the women's game for a very very long period. I I, I think it's over twenty years of investment Easily, yeah. uh, and support. So so they're they're definitely not um, you know jumping on the the bandwagon of you know the women's wave of, mm-hmm. sorry, the interest in, in women's sport, they have been there for the journey. And the campaign is just, you know, it's it's lovely, like the smiles on the kids' yeah. faces when they're running in to see their heroes. So you really just think that's that's brilliant. That's, you know, just love it. Um, there's lots of clips of uh, the, young, the young girl, I've forgotten her name, but she meets Elise Perry and she's in tears because yeah. it's a hero. I mean... Back in the day, that might have been me with with Steffi Graf, but now to see it with a women's cricketer, yeah, I think okay, that's powerful. Yep, that's that's really powerful. It's it's genuine from that little girl. So very, <laughs> very cute and very um very endearing. Okay, let's get your predictions here. Okay. T Twenty World Cup, twenty uh, ten teams, a new one in Thailand. I mm. think we're all quite excited to see um, how they go about things during the, the World Cup. Um, it's a, it's a jam packed tournament. It's, it's short and sharp. It's, it's very boom, short. boom, boom. You're around the country. It's fantastic that it is getting, um, out to, to most of the major cities as well. Things can happen. It's T20 cricket. Things can happen so, so quickly. We're starting with Australia, India at the showgrounds on, uh, Feb 21, which is a blockbuster in itself. What's your, what's your prediction? What's your fairy tale ending? We probably know is Australia winning. So let's take that out of the equation here. What are a couple of your... Big, bold predictions okay. for this T20 World Cup. Well, as you say, the format, and you'd know better than me, I'm, I'm as you mentioned, not a first-class player. <laughs> so I don't have that experience. But Let I'm it go, told, Steph. Let it go. I'm told that um, 
the unpredictability, you know, the 2024 may so fast that anybody, you, you really have to have everything going right for you on the day, don't you? Yeah. So on that basis, I think maybe Thailand could throw in a couple of upsets here and there. Bold prediction um, number one, I like Bold it. prediction number one. <laughs> um, I think... I think the quality of, um, well, all players, but let's focus on batters, as, uh-huh. you, as you were, all-time great batter. Uh, I think someone's going to hit the fastest 100. Okay. So. Rightio. So it could be any. The Andrew Dotton's mark. Okay, yeah, actually, I think that was 38 balls. Bingo. So, Spot on. You know, we've got Lisa Healy, Lanning, Perry, potentials for Australia, but you look right across the board and every team probably has someone, Susie Bates. Um, the West Indies got a couple of powerful ones. They do. Barney Taylor. Yep. Um, yeah. So even Danny White, maybe from England, but, uh, okay. no, okay. Yeah. Fastest <laughs> hundred will be set She'd by an Australian. There. There we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, it's ready for the taking. People want to be high scoring, entertaining. So I, I think someone might smash that record. Does the success of this T20 Women's World Cup impact the next broadcast rights here in Australia, do you think? Well, I would have to say absolutely. It will be <laughs> the most sought-after product. Um, yeah, I, I think it just continues to validate that it's a global game because we want to see the other countries be competitive as well mm-hmm. because absolutely we'd love Australia to win and to win comfortably so that we're not um, fighting off our fingernails. Oh, see, um, I'm the opposite. I want an obviously want an Australian win, but I want an absolute nail bite. Well, well, that's it. I think we need the contests and we need the contests throughout the tournament Mm. because um, I think that will will validate the the development of other countries as well because um, it's always been uh, in women's cricket, probably, you know, just a couple of the countries that have always been the stronger ones. So England and New Zealand and Australia, and I think India has really progressed um, over the last what would you say, five to ten years yep. or five years. Um, the West Indies as well. I mean, some powerful hitters there. And then I think that there's the next wave that um, even Pakistan might surprise us, uh, Yeah, I would say. So I, I think we can um, only hope for a really entertaining, even uh, tournament. Um, and as you said, it's very, very fast. So um, you blink and it'll be over. We can't, we can't miss it. Hopefully Australia wins in a... Would we say like an England, New Zealand men's semi-final um, oh. <laughs> drama yeah. field? I drama mean, field that was just super over, and uh, yeah, and I uh, still can't believe believe that result. But I still kind of want Australia to win comfortably. <laughs> comfortably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I get it. Uh, let's hope for for a fantastic tournament and um, and the right result in the end. I mentioned before that you're probably one of the most prepared people going around. I'm still in shock, surprised at where the game's at at the moment. I think if you asked me, this, if you told me that this is where the women's game would be at right now, five years ago, I would laugh and go, oh, how good would that be? But we're probably, we're probably not going to get there. We are here now, which actually allows you now the scope to actually say, well, we can, we can do some serious stuff. Mm. So if you fast forward five years' time, what does the game look like? I would say we are commanding strong spots on, on TV. And I mentioned before how supportive our, our partners have been. We, we want to be locked in on, you know, the best time slots, the, the prime time spaces so that we can continue, continue to maximise that exposure. Um, 
at the same time, we have a balance because we we are, you know, we want families to be coming along. We want kids. So we don't want to always play our games in the evening. So we've got to make sure that we're playing in the right venues at yep. the right locations. So I think we've already had a number of sellout WBBL games. The last two finals, I think, have been yep. sold out. Sold out. Mm-hmm. So I think we would like to see... Um, massive spikes in attendance yep. um, for people to actually want to come out and experience the game. And we can make the attendance at the venues really special like we've been doing with, with Super Weekends and there's a lot of fun and activity around for, for the kids. super vibe. It's a great yeah. atmosphere and I think that's that's what we can really – you mentioned before that, that what's the difference. I think we can make it a little bit more intimate um, because of the venues. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe in, in 20, 30 years – uh, you know, we'll see crowds like we see at men's cricket, and we'll, we'll need to revert to the bigger venues. Yeah. You know, that would be that would be quite a statement. But I, I actually also enjoy the the smaller venues because of the atmosphere that we can create. So there's some more boutique grounds, more so boutique, North Sydney Oval, Junction Oval, and the likes. Yeah, yeah uh, they really, you know, people can sit on the hill, mm. and that really um, creates some special moments and yeah. memories for families and kids as they grow up. Um, and I think, look, we've got a lot of work to do in in the commercial space in terms of. Um, brands and sponsors. We mentioned the Commonwealth Bank before. Um, we do have a lot of partners that absolutely have a commitment to the women's game, but I think we also need um, other parties to to sort of maybe take more leadership and encourage to say, okay, yep, we are genuinely going to back back this and yeah, demonstrate that leadership because then we will get we will get scale yep. when when. We have big brands behind us that are prepared to, um, you know, I, I appreciate that they also need um, to have returns on their investment. You can't just shell out a lot of money. You need to, to be doing it for a purpose and a meaning. And I think that over time we can we have that opportunity to show, well, this is a worthy investment, absolutely. And it needs to command, you know, a fee or a price because yeah. it's worth something. Yeah. And um, I hope we can get there um, so... There's there's a lot to be said for not just you know putting a putting a logo on a on a shirt. There are things that we can demonstrate within the women's game, uh, the leadership, the development, um, the players are fantastic ambassadors. So there is definitely opportunities for brands to invest, and I'd like to see over time that we can can build out our commercial portfolio around the women's game. But attendance, let's see if we can get that first. Okay, so. March 8, International Women's Day, is the final at the MCG. Katy Perry's just done her opening set. Australia's walking out. This is, I'm just trying to build your best case yeah. scenario here. Australia's walking out to uh, take on whoever for in the final. And you're sitting there in the stand and you look around. And I know you've been to AFL Grand Finals before and you've seen the MCG packed to the rafters. But you look around and you see 92,000 plus sitting at the MCG watching the Australian women's cricket team look to take out another title. What um, what would that mean to you? There is nothing better than a full MCG crowd. Um, and if there's 90-plus thousand supporting one single team, the the absolute roar of that crowd will be, be spine-tingling, um, you know, because they're the local supporters. So that, that national where the whole crowd is supporting the, the single team, that's a very rare, that's kind of Olympics, that's Com Games, that's genuine national support. That that would just be completely overwhelming. So um, I hope we get that. 
and um, it, it will be certainly be satisfying, but I guess it will also validate the opportunity we have ahead of us if we can do that, achieve and that record. If one of the players from the Australian team gets to uh, chalk up the fastest ever 100 of 37 balls off the last ball of the game to win the game, who would you like it to be? Hmm. I want to say Megan Schutt. That would be a big, big change in the batting order. <laughs> or oh, Australia's been in a world of trouble early well, doors. You're right, actually. Let's take that back. But no, no, um, no. Shooter would love to say I've been thrown up the order just to put the opposition off. Yeah. Um, she could. Look, it's probably one of the three I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, but look, we've got Beth Mooney, Jess Jonathan. Um, anyone's capable of doing it. Um, but what you probably very need di- to, very diplomatic. You probably you. need to hit if it's off thirty-seven. What you need about eighteen fours mm-hmm. and <laughs> five or so sixes. <laughs> so I think maybe Alyssa Healy might. Um, there we go. Well, she's already set a there. world record at that ground because she took the uh, the highest catch. That's right. For eighty meters, eighty-two meters. Have to have a look at that one. Drop from the drone. Record, Guinness Book of Records. This is it. So she could chalk up another one. Yeah. I don't care who does it as long as someone does it. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. Nice way to finish up. Steph. Would have been nice to have seen you do it, Mel. <laughs> that would have been, um, yeah, that is fairy tale stuff there. Literally. Uh, thank you so much. You haven't even looked at me once during this entire interview, so you didn't laugh. So well done you on that. Um, Claire, Sansa, Steph, thank you so much. Thank you, Mel. <laughs> thank, thanks for the opportunity to talk a little bit about, yeah, where the game's yep. grown and... Um, as I said, a lot of people have been doing some heavy lifting, so a shout out to all those people, um, because we wouldn't have got we wouldn't have got here if we if we hadn't had that support. But we also do have a long way to go. Okay, far too humble. Thanks, heaps.